0: I'm grateful for my wife for many, many reasons, but she really has been a blessing to me. And I can't get through life without Jesus first and then her. (laughs) I'm glad I got that right. (laughs) You might have noticed last week, as John mentioned, that uh, I had bandages on both hands. I had carpal tunnel surgery and I've been struggling with uh, feeling in my hands for the past 18 months. This hand, I would wake up at night three times in the night with a hand that's very sore, gone numb. Wake up in the morning, most mornings, lost total feeling in this hand. It was really a painful process to go through, but eventually I decided I'm going to get it seen to. So call me stubborn, whatever you want, but uh, I had surgery after 18 months and got it sorted out. Just some of the basic functions of like tying... You're doing up buttons up or tying your shoelaces. I was unable to do uh You know, Shelley would have this call coming from the, the bedroom, Charles! And then she'd say, what do you want? So, well, please, can you do up my shirt? And uh, she was very, very gracious for many, many months doing that for me. For somebody who likes to use their hands, a real challenge, not being able to do some stuff. And I'll be honest with you, please don't judge me. I got discouraged at times. Uh Lord, why is this happening to me? And and people have prayed for me. Granny Ruth, I know nobody like Granny Ruth who has faith that strong. She prayed for me just before I had my op, praying that I wouldn't have to have the op, but I needed it. And I'm not healed. And so I've had this... uh, surgery. And so for two weeks, I'm going somewhere with it, so please bear with me. I'm not wanting you to feel sorry for me. I'm using it by way of an introduction for my message, because God uses the things we face in life to highlight a truth that he was wanting us to learn, doesn't he? And so I'm going somewhere with it. And so uh, I was not able to take care of myself for two weeks, so Shirley had to do the basic. So when I saw my doctor, the surgeon, he said, I'll do both hands on one condition that you've got a loving, compassionate, and gracious wife. So I said, I've got that, and I've got a friend on speed (laughs) now. I won't tell you who that is. (laughs) I tested them a week before I had the operation. I phoned him. I said, By the way, I need. He says, Sorry, I'm in Malawi. Now you know who he is, but anyway. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a time, these past two weeks, I've been discouraged, been frustrated. Uh, like, why do I feel like that? Well, I also like being in control. And now suddenly I'm not in control. I have to rely on somebody else to help me. You know that Romans chapter eight twenty eight passage of Scripture? You're familiar with that? That God works all things for the good, excuse me, of those who... Love him. I like to think that God was working all things for the good of Shelley, teaching her (laughs) to be a bit more (laughs) compassionate and just growing a capacity of servant-heartedness in her. Joke, she's all of that. (laughs) But it was in fact teaching me, also I believe, to trust more on somebody else and not to lean on my own capacity. And there were times when I asked myself, does God really care about me? Why doesn't He heal me? He doesn't. And I have to make peace with that fact. And I hope to to maybe answer some of that question today if you're asking that question. And don't judge me when you hear me say, a man of faith, I like to think I'm a man of faith. Question, does God really care about me if He's not going to heal me? Don't judge me because I know you've asked that question. At times. It's a topic that we're going to tackle today. Ever wondered why I should trust God? You might be going through your own battle. Whatever that battle is. Trying to hold a struggling marriage together. As John highlighted last week, maybe you're battling some addiction and you're just trying, wanting to break free from it. Maybe there's some financial pressure that you're going through and it's just really robbing your joy. You become overburdened by your struggle, worn down, discouraged. And you begin begun to paradigm into the realm of does God really care about me? Does He really care what I'm going through? I want to refer to my small challenge. I consider this a small challenge. Because healing is coming. I'm able to use them again today for the first time fully. Hallelujah. He's teaching me to trust beyond my own capacity. And maybe God is using whatever we're going through that we might trust beyond our own capacity. There's a powerful truth in Scripture that the, I'm wanting to encourage us today to help fortify faith. If you're struggling a little bit about, with faith, struggling a little bit, does God really care about me. And if you can turn to Psalm 20 verse 7, and David writes writes this incredible truth. And I trust this morning that you leave with this truth resonating in your heart. He says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, maybe we can personalize that this morning, but I David writes, I, but he's assuming there are others. But I or we trust in the name of our Lord. Now, David probably wrote this when he was facing some adversity. Some theologians and some people who study the Bible say he probably wrote it as he's about to ride off into battle to take on some enemies, and he's saying that some trust in horses and chariots, but we into this battle, physical battle, okay. And I think he faced spiritual battles as well. He could write this with conviction in his heart. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we, I, trust in the name of the Lord. <laughs> to be honest and vulnerable for a moment, at times I've identified with the sum that David referenced to, the sum that trust in. Chariots and horses. Maybe in what can be seen. Maybe their own strength. Maybe a healthy bank balance. Maybe a healthy body. Those who trust in chariots and horses. Trust in what they think they can control. Rather than God who is unseen. Because that's who David is referencing here. Some trusts in chariots and horses, but we are trust in the name of the Lord. And we live our lives like this, don't we? If we're honest for a moment. You have to be honest. Because you can't hide anything from Jesus. He knows it all. That often we put a trust in that which we have the ability to control. True? David writes this verse with absolute faith. Putting his trust in God. Knowing he is able to trust God. But it's interesting. He doesn't always have this faith. And so we can identify with the sum. Because David at one time was part of the sum. When he says some trust in chariots and horses. David was part of the sum at one stage in his life. Because if you turn quickly to Psalm 13 verses 1 and 2 we read. David is going through a challenge. He's going through a struggle. He's going through a battle. And he writes, and I'm reading from the NLT version. He says, "O oh Lord, the same God we've read that he puts his trust in sometime before. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? (laughs) I don't read anything about faith there. I just hear four questions. Lord, where are you? Do you really care? And interspersed in all of those questions, there's a thread that's running through that David doubts for a moment. And he's in fact saying, if I can paraphrase, I'm not sure that what I'm going through, I can really trust God. Today, we're looking at how I can grow from not too sure how I can trust God to I know I do. Because something shifted in David's heart from when he writes, How long, O God? How long, O God? How long, O God? How long, O God? To, but me, I trust in the name of the Lord. Something shifted in his heart. And the answer, uh, answer to the questions that David asked, we might be asking ourselves the same this morning. How long, O oh Lord? How long? How long? Those four questions. How long will you forget me? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you think God has forgotten about you. How long will you look the other way? That God doesn't care about you. How long must I struggle with anguish in myself? God identifies with your pain. He's not unaware of it. How long must I live with sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? You know that person that's giving you a tough time? God's aware of him or her. I'm going to try and answer this question. Of how do we grow to trust in a God we cannot see? This morning. Three steps. We'll unpack them one by one. If you take your notes. Ask, pray, surrender. Ask, pray, surrender. Going to draw some lessons from Scripture. We don't go to man's experiences to teach us, do we? They might just help us navigate some stuff. But the power of God is resident and rooted in His Word. Word. It's his word that he blesses, not man's experience. And there's a story in the book of Mark, the gospel, according to Mark, chapter 9, of a father. I just put myself in the shoes of this father who had a son. I'm going to paraphrase for a moment. Mark chapter 9, you can turn there and put your finger. If you're using a Bible. If you're using a device, you can just turn there. But this father, he had a son. And this father, just to give you a context, this father is desperate. Now, who's a father here who has children? Now, put your shoes in. Put your shoes. It's the after effects of medication I'm taking. Put your shoes on. He's got a son. And every day, every day of that boy's life, he's watching that boy struggle. This boy battling an evil spirit. His father is desperate. His father is hurting. Yet his father teaches us how to trust in a God who is unseen. We go to Mark chapter 9, verse 18. And this is what this father tells Jesus about his son. This is, this is the story of this boy's life. And this is a story of the father's life watching his boy struggle says, whenever the spirit or it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. In other words, he has like an epileptic fit. Verse 22. It has often, not just once, it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. The father watches his son go through life struggling with this demonic spirit. Imagine for a moment. That's why I said put yourself in the shoes of this father. Imagine for a moment watching your son navigate life like that. And you've probably done everything you could in your own strength according to the money that you have. According to what is available medically to try and help him. Nothing has helped. I'm sure he would have. He wouldn't have just let his boy struggle. I'm sure he would have tried to get help for his boy. And help does arrive, by the way. A help that is beyond his control. A help that is beyond his money. A help that is beyond his capacity. Jesus. Arrives. And Jesus. Arrives. And this father knows, in that moment, he knows that the only person who can help his son is Jesus. And then we can, we'll we read, but I'm just paraphrasing for the sake of it. And as Jesus arrives, the father asks Jesus a question. He says, if you can do anything. So remember I said three steps, ask, pray, surrender. The very first thing he does is he says to Jesus, in other words, he said, I've tried everything else. Nothing's helped. Jesus responds in the affirmative. I think we grow up with a hyper-faith theology at times. What do you mean by that, Nick? Well, whatever happens, happens. Don't question God. In a moment, the father's desperate. He asks Jesus a question. Look at my boy. Can you do anything about him? It's not, well, that's his lot in life. He's just got to live with it. He asks Jesus a question. And Jesus says, can I? Of course I can. And he does. He delivers this boy. Our default question, I think, is often not to question God. I think it's helpful sometimes. I'm not talking question in terms of doubt. I'm saying, ask a question. Why am I going through this? What are you teaching me, Lord, through this? What are you going to do through this? Those are questions we need to ask. Can you imagine after that boy was healed? God works all things for the good. Can you imagine years and years, I don't know how old this boy was, but years and years struggling. And people would have watched the father go through life trying to care for this boy and do everything that he can. Nothing helps. Jesus in a moment, in an instant, heals him. Testimony. God works all things to the good. Doesn't just teach the Father about faith, teaches others who are observing them go through life that there is a God, unseen, but a God that is personal, but a God that is intimate, a God that hears, that a God that responds and wants to move and wants to act. Why didn't he do it before? Don't know. Not God. Wise man said this, that God would prefer we run to him with questions rather than we run to him with run from him with doubt. God would rather, or prefer we run to him with questions rather than run from him with our doubts. And God speaks, friends, when we ask. I believe God speaks when we ask. Sometimes we get so caught up on, I'm struggling. You know, that psalm that we read earlier, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord. How? And we camp, we set up our tent around the how long, O Lord, and we f- form our theology around the how long, O Lord. But it's okay to say, how long, O Lord, but why? What? When? It's okay to ask some questions. So God can show us what He's wanting to do through us and in us and beyond us in that process. And God speaks through His Word. Can I say, if you're going through a struggle or a battle, for me, I've discovered my own experiences. I've discovered that the life of God flows when I'm in His Word in His presence, worshiping Him. And when I'm with His people, seeking counsel from men and women whose voices I trust. God speaks. And yet in the how long, O oh Lord, the how long, O oh Lord, how long, O oh Lord, what's the first thing people generally do? Is they run from Him. In other words, no longer in the Word. No longer worshiping Him. I'm out of church. I'll just struggle through this thing on my own. This is the safest place to be. We run from, not to. When we run from, what do we still hold on to? Doubt. Does God really care? Of course he does. So he's just wanting you to trust him. Been there? Secondly, pray very interesting when you read Mark chapter 9 verse 23 you can read it now the struggling father has a question in his heart it's very obvious because he says to Jesus if you're willing can you that can you It's actually just a little bit more can you Jesus Jesus response Mark chapter 9 verse 23 this is more I think an, an exclamation I believe it shouldn't be an exclamation, a a question mark. I believe it should. I'm I'm not the Holy Spirit, but just the way I read it is, If you can, said Jesus, (laughs) everything, everything. Please say with me everything. So maybe you sitting in your how long, O Lord, moment today. Let this truth encourage you. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. But it doesn't stop there. Because again, hyper faith, everything is possible for one who believes. And then we chill out and we wait for God to do the everything. The second part is important. Because what we see the Father do is he prays. He doesn't just, Jesus doesn't say everything is possible, that's his response. Our response is by faith to pray. Immediately, verse 24. It's not like, well, when I feel like it, or when I've stopped, when I pick myself up from the dust and dust myself off and stop crying. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That's a prayer that he prays. I do believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus says he is willing. But then our response has to be, well, Lord, if you're willing, I'm going to seek your heart. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to sit in your word where it teaches me something about your character and your nature and what you're wanting to do with me, through me. Pray. It's a beautiful interaction this. The father doesn't tell, Jesus doesn't tell the father, well, come back when you've got more faith. (laughs) Now, I've got nothing. Please hear me. Please don't stone me. I've got nothing about going up on a mountain and praying and fasting for 40 days to hear God. I've got nothing against that. But I see in scripture that when we seek his heart, wherever we are, and if we're sincere and real about it, he meets us there. Okay. Okay. He doesn't say to the father, "Well, oh, go away. 40 days, 40 nights fast. Read your Bible back to front six times. You'll have faith. Come back and then I'll answer. Immediately, boom. He's free. He just simply answers the dad's question. He hears his prayer. And he responds by casting out this demon. And the father has moved from doubting, if you can to trusting Jesus. It's a faith-building moment. I do believe. Help me overcome my belief. And it's not, it's not once he's healed the boy, by the way. If you can, heal my son. I do believe boy healed. Faith in what is unseen. An unseen God. Even an unseen miracle for a moment. (laughs) Lastly. Surrender. Remember the father's response? Help me overcome my unbelief. Within the context of this story. I, I don't see in the interaction that the father has with Jesus. Well Jesus before you heal him. Please just explain to me why he had to go through all of this and and I'm wanting all the answers to all of his struggle. (laughs) He chose to trust God even when he didn't understand why his boy was going through what he went through. Often, we want an in-depth thesis for what we go through. So we can make sense of every detail. Well, if, if that was so, friends, then we would box God, wouldn't we? <laughs> we would be able to control him. And we, he can't be controlled because he is God. He is sovereign. He didn't ask for an explanation. This father was just happy that his son was restored to him. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. In our v version. Trust in the Lord. Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long? How long must I experience this sorrow? How long must I go through this anguish? How long must my enemy have a go at me? How long, oh, Lord? Remember? Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. Please say with me, in all our ways. (laughs) Submit to Him. Not submit to your circumstance. Submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Scripture tells us here that we are not to lean on our own understanding. Why? Because our own understanding is limited. We will never have the answers to all the questions that we have for what we go through or what we see happening around us. God is God. He knows. We're not God. We're just simply those who love Him and follow Him. That side of eternity you can ask Him and He'll tell you. But for now, we don't know everything. And sometimes that's what we wrestle, and that's what brings doubt, is that we sit trying to analyze what is happening, why is it happening, what are we going through? I don't understand God, you're on God because you're letting me go through this." No, He's still God. Our understanding is limited. We will never have the answers, nor the resources in ourselves for some of life's battles we face. The more we try to reason and to make sense of some things, the more confused we will become. And the more doubt will begin to manifest. I hope I can pronounce this Hebrew word properly. I have an Afrikaans upbringing. Schooled in English, not in Hebrew. Hebrew word for trust. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. That word trust is but touch, I think it is. I might be wrong. But if anybody is Hebrew here... You're free to come and correct me. (laughs) Am I safe? (laughs) Okay. But that word, trust, okay, in the Hebrew language, there we go, that's easier. means to stretch, to lie face down before God. It's like a word picture. So when it says trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, literally people, what they would do is they would lie down. It's... Hebrews could identify with that. You had masters and you had servants. And you had the servants who sometimes would lie down. Lie down. Face down. Stretched out. I'm not going to do that now. because It would be awkward for me. Before their master. Say, what command? What word? Does my Lord. That's what they say. My Lord. Not go. My Lord have for me. And so when the Bible says, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. You're not saying we lie down. But actually, what saying is that surrender to Jesus? It's representative of a servant waiting for a master's will or command. Reminded of the, enclosing, the last moments of Jesus' life on earth before going to the cross, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane read it in Matthew chapter twenty six, verse thirty nine. It was one moment in the life of Jesus here on earth where we see the humanity of Jesus revealed. Where he wept and cried like we would weep and cry. Back drops of blood. As he contemplated what lay before him, the cross. And Jesus knew what he would suffer. Not like he didn't know what was coming. He knew the death he was to die. He knew the suffering he was about to endure. Unjustified. And he says this, chapter twenty-six, thirty-nine. My father. Question. If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Question. But he doesn't dwell there because he knows because he knows the cross was a gateway to victory for so many other people he says this he says yet I want your will to be done not mine he understood God's plan he understood God's purpose in suffering he knew that what he was about to go through what he would suffer would be for the glory of of his father and for the liberty of all of humanity. He says, Whatever you'll give the cup, and we know the cup could not be removed because it was the father's plan of which Jesus was a part of, a willing participant in that plan. And he surrenders, knowing what was lying before him. So, two things trusting God doesn't mean we always get what we want. In other words, Nothing bad will ever happen to us. Life is life. There are some moments where we go through tough times. Life happens. I don't have time to unpack what that could mean, but maybe this morning, this life happens. Did I wish I never had carpal? T- yes, but it happened. It happened. Now I tell you what, I have a greater appreciation for this special lady that I'm married to. More so now than before. Because she selflessly, lovingly, compassionately loved me through this. The most awkward moments. <laughs> when we talk about not being able to do bodily functions, I leave that to your imagination. <laughs> she had to step in. grateful, thankful. Did I wish this never happened? No. But it's given me a greater love for her. But it's even given me a greater appreciation to Jesus for giving this lady to me. Trusting God means whatever happens, we have to believe that He loves us. And He is working all, good, all things to the good. For those he loves, so this morning I end with this. I don't know what your battle is, I don't know what your struggle is, what you're going through, but I do know this: that there is a God in heaven, seated upon the throne, who hears the cry of every person's anguish, sees the pain of every person's sorrow. And I know that if He doesn't free you immediately, there is a purpose in that that will be worked for the good of you, for the good of others, for His glory. I believe that with all of my heart. How long? How long? How long? Might be struggling, might be questioning God, even wondering, do I trust Him through this? May the words of David encourage you this morning, sir, ma'am. Trust in the name of the Lord our God. Ask, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me through this time? Pray. Dwell in his presence. Dwell in his presence. Surrender. Trust him to work his purpose through it. Amen. And I pray for us, with us, if you wouldn't mind standing, and then I'll hand over to Jonah. Maybe there is someone this morning that is really, really going through a tough time. I just sense the Father's love for you and compassion for you. And one of the ways that He reveals His love and compassion, He does it many ways, through the comfort of the Holy Spirit with us. But he also places us amongst people through whom he wants to minister his love to you. And this morning, if you're struggling, don't do it alone. You're not alone. Apart from God, there is a family around you. And I'm going to invite you after the meeting to come forward. And one of the leaders would love to stand with you, pray with you, encourage you, and personally, personally comfort you through that. But Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are not orphans, your word tells us. That you have given us not only great and precious promises that are revealed in your word that would encourage us and strengthen us and help us through our times of need, but you have placed us within a family. We are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens, your Bible tells us, God's people. We are joined into a household. It's a household of faith. In this household, Lord, we have the privilege of loving one another, caring for one another, encouraging one another. Be in your words. Be in your hands of blessing to others. And I pray this morning that we would dwell not only in your presence, but we would dwell in your house where we receive this blessing of relationship with you. In Jesus' name. We praise you, we thank you, and we honor you this morning. Thank you that you are with us, that you dwell with us, and we have been reminded of that. Amen.